This episode of the FitCast is brought to you by Pedestal Footwear, the company that has engineered the ultimate sock, and they made them even better with their new 2.0 version. Check them out at pedestalfootwear.com. Hello, welcome back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and it feels like it's been a long time coming. One of my... Uh, you know, well-known friends from a, a long time ago spent some some good times and some got some good advice way back at Eric Cressy's wedding. <laughs> if you can believe it or not, like actually some some great advice that I've actually still used to this day, and that is uh, Lisa Lewis. Lisa, how are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you very much. And that that's um, pretty impressive. That was what 2010. Yeah, I, I, I remember that night really well because I don't really drink. Ah. So I have a and I had to drive home that night. So even mm-hmm. more so, I was responsible and I I didn't drink. And I think that was um that was that was a really solid, awesome night. That was a good good time at their uh, at their wedding. Yeah, it was a good night. I remember that. And it was a really long time ago. We are uh, we're continuing to to get older and wiser. And um, it is it is awesome to to finally get you on this show because you've been doing a lot of incredible stuff in in the fitness industry as well like this is kind of um kind of like a a place where you've been venturing into um and working a bunch with with artemis uh who people have heard on the show uh, Mm -hmm. a couple times before but you're you're taking you know what is your 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 main profession you're taking that information and that knowledge and uh those methodologies and adapting them to the world of fitness, which has a huge like hole in, in terms of need of like focusing on psychology and, and, and mindset and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. You've said it very eloquently. It's always been an interest of mine. Um, it was my focus and my doctoral studies. And so I've just been trying to find opportunities to weave in, you know, mental strengths and using your mental skills into fitness and strength training. And I was really lucky to have this opportunity with Artemis in particular, just because, you know, she is a psychologically minded strength coach and Mm. her approach to fitness really lends itself um, to including those kinds of skills. So it's been a really wonderful fit to be able to work with her and build kind of on ideas that we both have and see how they can jive together. Yeah. And like, and like I was saying, like you guys have been killing it just because it is, it is such an important topic that I think a lot of us miss out on. And I mentioned this a couple times in the past on the show, uh, like talking with, uh, you know, Georgia Dow, who's a psychotherapist and like, you know, there is a really, like we, we really get the sets and reps of, of what we need to do in the weight room. We have the nutrition mm-hmm. stuff down for the most part. There's still yeah. like little, you know, tweaks that we can make here and there, but yeah. you know, still like, all right, we have all this stuff. And this is like what I've been thinking about the most in these uh, last couple months is like, all right, we, we have, we have the content, we know what we need to do. We have the templates, but you know, why can't we get everyone to, to follow this stuff? What are the holdups that are keeping people from really, you know, reaching their goals? Because it's not like, it's not like people wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, like I really want to be hundred pounds overweight. I want to be tired all the time mm. and I want to feel like garbage and I don't yeah. like the way my clothes fit and, and yep. all that stuff. That's not, that doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yet so many people find themselves in that position. I think we're now at like 65% of the population in the United States being overweight and just yeah, having getting there. Such a sedentary lifestyle. Most mm-hmm. people sit all day long and so they don't even know that they don't feel good. I mean, some of us, you know, some people know they don't feel good, but, um, 
yeah, nobody sets out for that. Yet that's where a lot of people kind of land and then feel like they're stuck and they can't get their body in motion and, and get themselves into healthy habits. Well, here's a super loaded question um, mm. because maybe this is this is a thing that I'm like looking at. Like I've been in this industry, I've been doing this podcast for 10 years, been in this industry for about, I guess you could say roughly the same time and like yeah. looking at, you know, what what is the next 10 years for 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 what I can do or what's going to like drive me in this industry and I think a yeah. big part of it is, you know, what are we going to do to, you know, help all those people that, you know, like you were just saying a second ago, like they they don't want to be in the position that they're in right now, but for some reason they haven't walked into a gym or maybe if they signed up for a membership, they, they got that membership and then they just don't show up or they know the right things to eat. Even if it's like the generic, like healthy eating stuff that sure. they could see on TV, like it's, it, it's better than, you know, having, you know, a snicker bars for, for lunch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what do you think is, I mean, it's again, it, it's very generic, but um, what do you think are like the main things for, for why they aren't showing up and, and what can we do better as fitness professionals to to help them show up or even to make it a little bit more uh, enticing or inviting for them to show up? Mm-hmm. It's a fabulous question. And I do think this is the direction I hope that fitness is headed in, mm-hmm. which is the direction kind of that mental health is headed in. I I think traditionally there's been a lot of stigma around mental health and like talking about what's going on in your internal monologue and how your mood is and how you're feeling. And and more and more, there's more conversations about that and more people are coming out and talking about that part of their life. And the way that we're we're learning to approach coaching now, or the the way that I hear that in the fitness industry is being a client-centered coach and learning what kind of cues work for your clients, what kind of programming works for your clients. Um, how to how to do programming and set up exercises to keep your clients engaged and mm-hmm. happy and not just sort of assigning like this is the program, this is what I want you to do, do it or or that's it. There's right. no option that we have to meet them where they're at. And nutritionally, I see a lot out there in terms of introducing flexibility into nutritional programs. I think even precision nutrition and mm-hmm. even something as traditional as Weight Watchers just – it, it tries to help individuals to tailor it to their schedules, their likes and dislikes, how they how they want to flex things. And I, I think psychologically we need to move in that direction too. And traditionally, you know, the stigma the stigma around mental strength and mental health is like emotions like they don't matter and they don't count and you don't pay attention to them and you don't listen to them and just kind of suck it up and push harder. Um, And really, that is a very ineffective way to help somebody want to persist in an activity, which if you think about it from the outside is like pretty uncomfortable. If you think about what exercise is, we are making ourselves like feel uncomfortable or get outside of our comfort zone Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Um, And we have to habituate that enough to where we actually like it. And, you know, those of us who are fitness people... It is kind of weird to be like, oh, today at the gym sucked. Like I totally kicked my Mm. ass. And that's like a brag that somebody actually feels good about that. And so to build build that kind of motivation to where somebody's there and they actually want to put themselves through like discomfort or pain in order to get stronger and healthier, Mm -hmm. we have to meet them where they're at. So if And where are we meeting people right now? If you look at what like big box gyms put out there as – like advertisement or media, a lot mm-hmm. of that advertising is le- image based. 
like get your pant size down a couple notches or get a bikini body or just these things that have to do with very short-term transient motivators. Because somebody might be motivated, as you know, from like January 1st to like March 3rd to, you know, have a New Year's resolution and get skinny or lose weight or whatever their mantra around that image base is. But if they're not identifying it as personally meaningful, if it's not gratifying for them, if it's not getting internalized in any way, um, then they're going to give up on it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we're really focused as a society on image. What do people look like? Or you want to look, we want you to look better or thinner or, and there's a lot of pressure. Um, and so I think we lose a lot of people in the shuffle or we lose them after four, six or eight weeks after them getting started um, because that just doesn't hold their attention over time. It doesn't hold their motivation. All right. There's a couple things that you just talked about that I want to uh, go back on, but I think... Um, like, okay. Did you, I drift really far away from your question? I'm sorry. No, you didn't. No. you okay. th- Again, there, there were just kind of like really good things to, to follow up on and continue talking about. But um, like one of the things that... You know, I've I've noticed throughout the industry, like I, you know, I go to all these events, and like you, you see it with all the people that you work with now. It's like, again, I think personal trainers and, and strength coaches, like by all means, like we got to be able to have these like tools in our tool bag of like helping people with nutrition and, and setting goals and all that stuff. But I think, um, you know, personally, I think where, where we're dropping the ball is like what you just said is, uh, I don't know, maybe this is just this is just. Uh, you know, a a study of one, but like, I think that there's a lot of, and I'd hate to generalize, but I think there's, you know, a lot of people in the industry that, um, may have always been in shape. Like that's a thing that they're really good at so that they like, that's like, Oh, well I'm really good at getting in shape. Like I want to help other people's get in shape. Like it's coming from a really good positive attitude and stuff, but, um, they don't necessarily understand what it's like to be, uh, you know, 50 pounds overweight or 60 pounds overweight or 30 pounds it. overweight. And yeah. like the, the struggle of kind of like going back and forth and not being able to be, uh, consistent. And then like the other side is also portraying like how easy it is yes. via social media. Like, Hey, look at, I'm eating a, a, a thing of Oreos today and look at, I'm ripped. So mm-hmm. you just, you just suck because you're, mm-hmm. you're not, you're not doing it right. So, um, I don't know. I guess, I guess that, I don't know if that's more of a comment or more of like a question of like, is, is that something that you're kind of like seeing and something that we need to kind of work on is like figure out how to be, um, how to not like sympathize, but be able to kind of like see what they're going through and not just think, oh, well you're, you're being weak because I think that's a huge screw up of a lot of fitness professionals. Yeah. Assuming that somebody, that their moral character isn't good, like they're lazy or they're weak or they're not a good person, you lose as soon as you make that assumption. And the point that you're making is about the difference between being client-centered and being self-centered or coach-centered. Because if you're a person who's always been fit, you got a rock in metabolism, you can maintain a really good balance of like enjoying food in moderation and then mm-hmm. like eating pretty clean most of the time, that's awesome. That's your strengths. That's your skill set. Not everybody's walking around with that. So you have to have, I think that's what you're getting at is that in order to be a good coach, you have to put who you are aside Mm -hmm. because that's not who you're working with. 
you're, you might be working with somebody who feels totally unathletic, who, you know, sat on the sidelines in gym class their whole life and is like super intimidated by being in an athletic setting. They may be somebody who has very little understanding of nutrition or just has this internal monologue like, I'm a fat slob with a slow metabolism. I'll never be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to, to know that if, if your client is thinking that way about themselves and has low expectations, it would be nice if you could get that data right up front when you're first starting to work with a client because that will help you to figure out what are the baby steps they feel like they can take to start shifting their behavior mm-hmm. as opposed to like saying, okay, here's a script for a nutrition plan and an exercise plan when they might look at it and be like, oh my God, I can never do that. But they feel like they can't say it to you because you're Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a recipe for failure. Exactly. And I think that that is, um, and I, I even struggle with that. Like I'm someone that was very overweight in middle school and in high school and like eventually picked up like the fitness thing. And still to this day, I am not the, you know, stereotypical, you know, fitness professional, like, you know, six pack, you know, a couple times, you know, a couple months out of the year or whatever. But, um, like even, even I think like I do, uh, or, I don't do much personal training anymore, but when I did that, like I struggled a lot with helping people uh, or sympathizing with them and being like, come on, man, I put all this time in putting together a, a program. I wrote down, or <laughs> I, I like printed out this generic list of foods. All you had to do was eat these foods and you didn't do that. So you're mm-hmm. showing me that you don't care. And, uh-huh. that's, and that's like, again, like even I made that mistake. And I think that is still something that, um, as I became a little bit more seasoned as a, you know, got, got the reps under my belt and got to experience working with many more people yeah. uh, and got to, you know, talk to people like you talk to like Chris or Scott Dixon, like talk to people that, you know, have a better understanding of how like the psychology of this whole thing works where, um, it, it is just like you brought up the words thinking that they're lazy, thinking that they're weak, thinking that they mm-hmm. don't care. Um, like those are, like those are the things where you 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 failed as a fitness professional if you, if you believe that stuff and that means you're not willing to put in the effort because I think maybe or maybe correct me if I'm wrong but maybe we just need to be forever sympathetic like we need to understand all right you failed this week all right let's analyze that like let's see if we can just you know maybe make a plan that's a, a little bit better this time and let's see if we can you know go for you know 5 days before you kind of have a a relapse of needing to get ice cream on the way home or something like that. Mhm. And I think like I would replace the word sympathy with like be curious. Yeah. So yeah. once you assign judgment, once you say like lazy, not motivated, doesn't care, mm-hmm. that's the end of the conversation and that's totally useless. Like you get it's nothing game over. productive. It's game over. If you say, "Huh, tell me about this staff room snack table and like what's going on with that. And if you say like, okay, what, you know, what's happening on like Thursday nights when you're driving home and like Jay Pelix is talking to you or, you know, Carvel or what, you know, whatever the ice cream shop is, you open the door and you're showing the client, like, I don't have a judgment about that. I just want to unpack it with you so we can figure out how to troubleshoot it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that leads to productive conversation and trying to figure out, Maybe once a month you go and you get some ice cream if that's what you really need. But like what's happening there? Are you dehydrated? Are you like totally freaking exhausted? Do you hate your job? (laughs) And that's leading you to want to like self-medicate with ice Mm -hmm. cream. 
after work. I mean, I just think it opens so many more doors to be curious about something than it is to just compare other people to you or whatever mm-hmm. your standard is. Um, and then, and then make some kind of judgment about your client. I love that. All right. So, so, so be, be curious and that's, um, yeah, that's, again, that's, uh, that's rock solid stuff. Um, and, and the, the goal, it, it seems to be in the, for, for the most part, you know, people that do struggle with, with food, it is kind of like the goal line is moderation. It's trying to figure out, all right, how do we get to a point where we're not going into a, an extreme either way and just having some, some healthier, um, eating habits. So I, I guess my question for you is, you know, how, how do you help people, you know, get from where they're at like an extreme of an extreme diet or, you know, they're completely off the rails, you know, what are the first kind of like steps in general to, to start figuring out, all right, how do we, how do we find our way to moderation? Yeah. It's an excellent question in my, in my life before, um, I earned my doctoral degree in sports psychology. I worked in addiction for, mm. Um, about seven years in inpatient, outpatient. And, and, um, I see a lot of parallels between drugs of choice that are illicit substances and other drugs of choice like food or Mm -hmm. shopping or sex, or in some cases, you know, people get really obsessed and addicted to training too. So, you know, moderation, it becomes very elusive for people who have had an, an unhealthy or an unbalanced relationship particularly with food. I mean, if we talk about drugs, like you can abstain from drugs, but you can't abstain from food. And I I think one person you've had as a guest on the show is Georgie Fear. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Georgie Fear. I think this is a person who tries to focus on habits over time and Mm -hmm. eating intuitively. So, you know, one of the things I I really derive from her that I, I think is excellent is our body sends us signals. Like we have all the software we need Mm -hmm. to know when we're hungry and when we've had enough. And over the course of our life, because of how emotionally we learn how to use food or because of what it means in our family, um, because of a million reasons, that relationship becomes dysfunctional. Gets Mm -hmm. like we eat when we're not hungry. We eat because somebody else wants us to. Um, We eat for other reasons than being hungry. And to get back in touch with moderation, pay attention to when you're hungry. It's okay if you're hungry for a little bit of time. Um, and then as opposed to, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that goes on in the fitness industry is um, like weighing and measuring things and creating very specific meal plans and sort of like attending a lot to the the macros and calories and things that are outside of your body. Yeah. There's a huge joke of, you know, if it fits your macros, man, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's like a, a a running joke on, on Instagram. Like again, here's a, here's a me eating a huge thing of, Mm -hmm. again, it's like, this is maybe a thing that, um, I don't like think too much about, but like whenever I see it, I'm always kind of like, is that like the best message you should be sending to your audience is like, yeah, like I get, you know, you're in shape and you're eating, like you're binging on like basically binging on pizza right now and a bunch yeah. of junk food, like saying like, this is how I do it. I go through like extremes of each way. Like that's probably not going to be the best avenue for, for most other people. No. And I, I think what it does is it creates, I think sometimes it can create addiction. So for example, when I used to talk to families about addiction, families or people who didn't, weren't really sure they had an addiction yet, they'd say, well, 
I don't drink that much or like I only get high <laughs> on the weekends. And I would say it doesn't have anything to do with quantity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much you're using. What you can think about is your mental pie chart. So if you think of like the Kevin mental pie chart, mm-hmm. like what's in there? Is it, it's probably like, you know, 20% the fit cast and like 10% or 20% training and like 30% the special lady in your life or whatever. There's all these different things going on in your brain. So when you develop an addiction, it is a mental preoccupation. Mm-hmm. So when you start thinking about things like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90% of the time, whether you're doing it or not, that's a problem. So if you're thinking all day long, like, okay, here's what I'm going to eat today. And then oh, I'm hungry, but I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. Okay. When I eat, I'm going to eat this and eat this much of this and this much of that. And I'm, now I get to eat. Oh my God. And I ate it all. And then I ate too much. And now I don't feel good because I shouldn't have eaten that much. And you know, having that kind of internal monologue all day long creates this mental preoccupation, which for some people leads to, down the road of misusing food or mm-hmm. getting out of touch with that like sensation of being hungry or not hungry and eating just because like F it, I want to eat. Um, or I, I have the macros saved up or, you know, <laughs> so uh, God damn it, I'm going to eat what, you know, whatever, like a box of pretzels or whatever it is. So it, for some people, it can be grounding, I think, to have some boundaries and, mm-hmm. and to have some rules. Um, but I've definitely heard of people in the fitness industry who kind of the more and more they get engrossed in that, it, it really becomes a sort of mental preoccupation that um, can kind of take away, first of all, the joy of eating. And second of all, um, just get them out of touch with their bodies, I think. Yeah, it's a huge waste of mental energy. Like mm-hmm. having to to think about like, all right, well, I, I, again, like this is this is coming from someone that has like dealt with this stuff. So I'll I'll be I'll be the audience member for a second, where <laughs> you know you get to you get to the point where like you, you you try some some new kind of tactic out, like whether it be like intermittent fasting, and like you know that didn't work for me because. Like I would be like, God damn it! Is it twelve o'clock yet? Can I yeah. eat yet? Holy <laughs> sh! Like I'm, I'm yeah. like, all right. Well, I'm not going to get. All right. Well, I have twenty minutes, so I'm not going to get like any work done because all I'm going to think about is when is it going to be twelve o'clock? And that's mm-hmm. like, you know, for the way my psychology works, it didn't make um, a lot of sense. And when I've had you know the most success, it's when I've been able to, you know, forget about you know, really like, all right, if, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat something and then I'm going to make sure it's good food and I'm going to make sure it's not too much. And I'm going to make sure I have some vegetables throughout the day. I'm also going to make sure I have some fruit and that's going to be a good balance for, for me. And at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm not hungry and holy crap, look at, I'm, you know, leaning out. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I think that we like it when there's these like black and white rules. I think as a society, we get into it when it's like, what are those ads on the internet? Like do this and lose five pounds of belly fat. And you look at magazines and it's like, you know, 10 pounds in two weeks, cabbage soup. And yeah, the three this, exercises to get yes. you know, bigger arms or something like that. Like th- yes. that, that is, it's, it's, it's what sells and it's what we mm-hmm. think we need. We think it's like that, oh, that's the program that's going to work this time. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to, you know, we were talking about trainers working with clients, we have to keep that in mind that when you're as an expert, as somebody who really knows about fitness or nutrition or mental health or whatever you know, you have to keep in mind that everybody else out there is not an expert and they are just consuming or digesting whatever the media is throwing at them. Mm-hmm. So like, 
for example, when I sometimes I see just, you know, from like reading things that Tony's reading or just being out there, people will go on rants about like women who are like, quote unquote, cardio bunnies. And they're just like, quote unquote, wasting all their time, you know, running or be on elliptical or whatever. And, and that is, they have been inducted into the fitness industry Mm -hmm. with so much imagery around that. Like there are so many messages everywhere they go that when they go in the gym, the girls go to the section with the treadmills Mm -hmm. and the boys go to the section with the weights. And of course there's more and more exceptions to that every day, which I love to see, but we don't want to blame that person over there on the treadmill. Like she's an idiot. Why doesn't she know? Because no, she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if we are intimidating or if we are imposing, or if we talk to a person like that, like, don't you know, you shouldn't be doing that exercise or, or you shouldn't be doing that much of that exercise, or you shouldn't just be eating lean cuisines. Mm -hmm. Um, it just shuts down the conversation because that's all the education that they have access to. I yeah I, I think you know this is this is this this is at least my mindset like I don't really post much on like my Facebook and my Twitter stuff is basically like here here's the new episode of the show or here's like an event that I'm going to like mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. like I I think you know there is and it's totally fine like if you do this it's it's not a big deal but maybe you know think about like all right well the thing that I'm about to say right now like again you you might see this celebrity is like doing this workout and you might think you might want to type something up be like oh this person's trainer is an idiot because they have their 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 client doing this and this celebrity mm-hmm. trainer doesn't know like mm-hmm. what they're doing but like like all you're really doing is like a you're getting worked up about it b like who are you actually helping and c it's just like you're trying to say oh look at I'm so much better than than this like person that's training this celebrity and like why don't I have that client and it's like that's simple. Like I, I think I think the biggest mistake that a lot of you know coaches and, and trainers make when they criticize other coaches and trainers mm. is they just get you know jealous of their clients and think, mm. you know, why don't I have that client? And there's a clear reason why you don't have that client. It's because whether <laughs> it's you know connections, maybe you're an asshole. Like that's a total possible. <laughs> like for real. Like you know, some people that are have the most clients, they they might have no idea what they're doing, but they're incredibly great yes. people yes. that that care and that yep. you know they're trying to really help but you know if you see like oh yeah i saw this you know female celebrity trainer and she's doing stuff like i i like yeah i i know i did that like years ago too where i'd be like yeah she doesn't know what she's doing don't follow her stuff but you know at least provide don't just provide like critique provide a solution maybe say like Oh, like, hey there, here's an article that i wrote and like maybe this is a you know a better you know 30 minute you know, strength training session that you can do in the gym after you get off the treadmill or something like yes. that, or before you get on the treadmill, like provide solutions and not just, you know, trying to pile on to some person that is not even going to ever care about what you posted in the first place because they're making money and they have, you know, lots of great stuff going on. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And we want to, we want to open people's eyes and like give them more information and options as opposed to, right. You have to choose a side, like it's either me and what I think, or it's you know Tracy Anderson and what she thinks. Yeah, I didn't want to use the name. 
<laughs> I was, I was, I was like, can I think of another example besides no, Jason? That's, I, I mean, that was that was that was my female celebrity trainer. But like, then at the same time, you have awesome people like Ben Bruno who are kicking ass yeah. and, and spreading incredible training for yeah. you know the the cele- the people that follow celebrity fitness. And look at we have our solution. It's Ben Bruno. Let's just point people to him whenever yep. you say. Like whenever your 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 aunt or like your friend says, oh, like I saw so and so like celebrity doing this training. Is this something that I should be doing? Be like, no. Like go. This is Ben that trains supermodels and professional athletes. Uh, go see what he's doing, and you know, just follow something that's similar to that, and you're going to be heading towards a better path. And I love the example of Ben because there's a guy who, I mean, talk about being able to think creatively and outside the box. I mean, this guy can make, <laughs> like, an adjustment to any exercise on the yeah. planet that you've never, ever thought of. He's and a solutions guy. He's, he's a, a solutions, solutions guy. guy. I mean, he's totally, I think he's totally open to shifting things around to try to find other ways to get to get somebody into a movement that works for them. Um, but he's still, you know, he still has his core values and that is a person who I think is really easy to talk to, who mm-hmm. is a good listener, who when you're communicating with him, he's like present and looking at you and nodding with you and friendly. Um, it doesn't have any intimidating posture, but is still extremely competent and educated and is willing to be flexible. And I think that flexibility, that combination of being really confident and ha- being educated and knowing what's good, but mm-hmm. then also being able to tweak and jive with the client is really that combo um, that makes a really special provider of services and just somebody who's able to really help other people. Well, Ben, like, yeah, I mean, Ben, Ben not only is, 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 is a great coach, but in a great person, but like, you know, he'll, he'll never want me to share this story, but you know, that, that dude helped me move twice. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. I moved and you said like, dude, do you, do you need help moving? And like, <laughs> you know, like we just like, and we got to hang out in Long Beach mm-hmm. last week and like, it's great to catch him and like talk about solutions guy. Like he's training, you know, Roy Hibbert, a seven foot tall dude who, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you've trained seven foot tall people, folks, but they're really <laughs> hard to train lower body with because, you know, their limbs are extremely long. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, solutions guy, well, right, let's go to the gobble position. We can load up the gobble position and do some single leg training and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And great. Guess what? We have no low back pain. We have perfect posture when we do this stuff like that's, that's what we should be going for. I don't know how we got on the Ben Bruno uh, praise praise episode, but I know um, we, ju- we both jumped on that train because I I think that's such a good example of being client centered. Yeah. Like this guy is seven feet. Like I'm not going to say to him you can't squat because you're so tall. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find an adjustment. You know I'm gonna find a way to modify the exercise in a way that works for him. And I think that that can apply. When you're talking to people about motivation, when you're talking about nutrition, when you're talking to them about what, to, when to work out, how to work out, what their goals are, um, that flexibility is really where the money's at. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of like we can have a program that will work for four weeks or for six weeks or for eight weeks, but like the real like are one of the big uh, hurdles or, or things that we need to, to try to do with, with people that we're trying to help is have consistency over the long run and not yes. just think like we're doing this like a four week program or a six week program or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, what, what happens after, you know, that, that four six or eight weeks and, and how can we better, you know, help them to, to, you know, keep it interesting to keep it fresh or, or just to kind of make sure that we stay on the rhythm that we built up to this point. Mm-hmm. So persistence, 
persistence in physical activity is what you want. And Tony and I recently have started doing a workshop together that's called Strong Body, Strong Mind. And Mm -hmm. when we sort of start out and say, here's the overarching theme for the day, the slide that we share is three by 52. So Tony's goal from a physical perspective and my goal from a psychological perspective is, you know, three times a week, 52 weeks a year, we want you in the gym training. And the Mm -hmm. reason that that's important physically is, you know, not my area of expertise, but the reason that's important mentally is because you want to create a habit and you want exercise to be self-reinforcing. So you can make a gong or a beep or something if I get too um, geeked out right now, but I love to talk about motivation. I don't have Um, a gong. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I love, love, love to talk about what motivates people and what makes them tick. It was what my dissertation was about. Yeah, I love it. Let's talk about it. I think the fitness industry a lot of time gets it wrong because what they focus on are things that are extrinsic or Mm -hmm. external is a way to think about it. So doing exercise as a means to an end, the end being being leaner, having a six pack, um, getting girls or guys to like you, um, those kinds of things Mm -hmm. as opposed to goals or outcomes that are intrinsic. So, and we don't really get those things until we actually have some practice and some habituation. So, mm-hmm. for example, the last time, the last couple of times I've done this talk, this seminar, I asked if there was anybody who ever played the piano as a child or a musical instrument. And, you know, some people have had that experience. And what they'll say is they totally hated it. They were horrible at it. Um, they got dragged to piano lessons by like a parent. And um, for years, they just didn't like it at all. And when you ask them how they like it now, they might say, yeah, I love it to sit down and just play a little sometime. And the reason why it goes from being really annoying and no fun to being really enjoyable is because of practice Mm -hmm. and building skills. So the more competent you become at something, the more you want to demonstrate that competency and you want to build on it. So human beings are goal directed. We like to get good at stuff. And then we like to demonstrate to ourselves and to other people that we are good at stuff. Mm -hmm. And that can apply to cooking, knitting, doing crossword puzzles, dancing, and that can apply to fitness too. Um, A lot of us who are in the world of fitness or who care about fitness, we come from athletic backgrounds. So we may have been kids who were in a bunch of different sports. And so there's a sort of a transferable skill set that we have when we go into the gym. Other people, not so much. You know, they have to pick up those skills when they get in there. So if we can help clients to build competency, not just in how to execute the movements physically, but like why that's important. Why is it important to have a good hip hinge? Why is it important to have a nice clean looking squat? Mm -hmm. Um, Why is it important to make sure your shoulders are in the right position when you're going to overhead press or when you're going to do a bench press and, and really helping to pattern those movements, providing education while you're coaching. What you're doing is you're creating an individual who can learn how to enjoy and it can learn how to execute the skill well. Like, I had a really good workout this morning. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean mm-hmm. you lifted more than you did last week? Does it mean you moved through the whole thing and you got a really good training effect and a good pump? Or, um, you know, what does that mean to people? To the novice, they might say, like, oh, my trainer kicked my ass. That's so external. It really, mm-hmm. It's really like they're saying the other person did it when actually they did it. And, and so... I might be sort of moving far away from where I initially started talking, but if we can, if we can get clients to develop 
some competency and a sense that they have skills and that they can get better at training and they understand why certain exercises are important, Mm -hmm. then the motivation gets internal. It's not just about the outcome. It's actually about the process. So the process of having healthy joints, the process of having um, a nice-looking squat or a a good-looking deadlift um, and, and all the variations of those movements or just to even know why the ingredients in a program are in there. So for Mm -hmm. example, you could be writing somebody's program and sort of teaching them and scaffolding them along the way about why you include the elements you include and give them feedback about how they're progressing so that when they go on a business trip for two weeks and they're like in a holiday inn with three sets of dumbbells, one bench and two treadmills, they can actually like make their own mini program (laughs) and, and get in that little tiny gym and figure out how to get a training effect, how to make themselves feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't know, six out of the 12 nights that they're there. And that's really like teaching someone how to fish as opposed to just giving them a fish. Mm-hmm. And when people feel like they can demonstrate their competency, they can apply what they've learned and they can, they can take good care of themselves, then they, that is rewarding in and of itself. And that is the juice that keeps people interested in going to the gym. That, that is the kind of thing that keeps people, even when they feel like they're having a fat day or, you know, it's the holidays or um, people go from being single and wanting to attract a partner and that's why they go to the gym to, to being married and settle down and not needing to attract a partner but still want to go because they want to stay fit um, or, or some other kind of motivator like that. If people are, feel like what they're doing is personally meaningful because their fitness is important or because it makes them happy to train or because they get stress relief from it or because it improves their mood, it clears their head, something that's internal, that will keep them motivated over the long run. That will keep them persisting um, even if the external reward isn't there for them. Hey guys, we're going to pause for just a second so I can let you know about Pedestal Footwear. I hope you've gone over to the website. I hope you've checked them out. I hope you placed a couple orders because once you do, you're just not going to go back. And you, this is my, I don't know, it's the third, fourth, fifth time you've heard me talk about these and you still haven't gone and checked out what they're doing over there. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It really is. Right now you can get two pairs. You buy two, you get free shipping. You get them shipped to you. You keep one pair for the gym. You keep one pair in a travel bag. That way you don't need to bring an extra pair of shoes when you go traveling. It makes it so much more convenient. And these things are built for athletics. Like you can go and do like I was doing some lateral plows and speed stuff in my house and even taking them outside. These things are durable. They don't recommend you take them outside, but I have and they are durable. They will last. They're also silver treated, so they won't smell after a couple of uses. You know, you you guys, some people out there have smellier feet than others, but you're going to be good to go because they built these things for us, for the people that love to train hard, get the benefits of barefoot training, but also that grippiness of a shoe at the same time. It's so, so cool. Go to their website, pedestalforward.com, buy two pairs. They're going to get shipped for free. And if you do have like a gym or facility or a team, contact them. There's a tab at the top to contact them so you can inquire about getting them for your team. You can get special designs as well. They're so great. Check them out, pedestalfootwear.com. 
Well, what about uh, when, when like, you know, they, they get on a really good, you know, rhythm, they're, they're uh, kind of on a roll and just like, you know, hitting it out of the park in terms yeah. of like, you know, getting to their goals and like, you know, following their nutrition, they're getting to the gym, gym yeah. they're doing their training and stuff like that. But, um, you know, what, what happens when they, they get off the rails a little bit, they might've gone on like a, you know, a weekend vacation or something like that, where they were like, I'm going to relax. But then when they get back, they find it a little bit harder to, to turn that back on. Do you have any advice for, for, for people out there that, that may have problems trying to, you know, turn on that, that like clean eating switch or like getting back onto like their, their moderation that they're at before? Yeah. Keep it in the day. So when you get back, your internal monologue that you want to shut down is I blew it. I destroyed right. six months of work. You know, I'm, I'm a slob. I'm a blah, blah, blah. Like shut that down. And mm-hmm. what you're going to get back to is like, I had an awesome weekend. Today is Monday. Monday, I'm going to eat X, Y, and Z. I'm going to train A, B, and C. And you just keep it in the day. And so you take it one day at a time. And all of a sudden you're back in habituation. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that people do is, I had it, I had it, I had it. Oh shit, I lost it. Right. Now it's gone. And they get what they call in 12 step programs like a case of the fuckets or the effets. I don't know yeah. if I'm allowed to drop an F bomb. No, that's what we have show, no, but... we have no uh, oversight by the FCC <laughs> on the show. Good. Uh, you know, when people get that way, they just give up and they let go, but they've had all those weeks or months of practice under their belt. So you, mm-hmm. you don't lose that. Um, so don't catastrophize if you have a weekend or a week. Or even a month when you when you go off the rails, you just the next day you just say, Okay, I'm starting right now and this is how I eat breakfast in a way that will make me feel awesome or this is what I'm gonna do with today at the gym. And then once you get through that day, you're like, Okay, check, I had today and I wanna do the same thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's totally what it is. It's about getting back on the uh on the bike and you're like, Yeah, I totally remember how to ride this thing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Oh wow, we're already at forty minutes. Holy crap! All right, so, um, so I, I, I guess like uh, you know, I'm kind of curious, just like in a in a general kind of concept, you know, now now that you've been uh, you know doing these events, you've been doing these these workshops. Like, yeah. what what are some of the most like common questions that you're getting uh, from from the audience? What are people most curious about? I think what one of the things like we're talking about today, which is dropout, or which is how to maintain persistence over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trainers might bring up their clients or clients, um, people who are fitness enthusiasts themselves. I think they're so hard on themselves. I think we as a group of people, and I can say we, um, who are really into strength training and fitness, we are our own toughest critics. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I get questions like, it'll be like a laundry list, like I do this and this and this and this and this, right? But then, you know, you know, I, I can't do this. And it's some kind of can't or a, I'm not able to comment. Um, and sometimes I know this isn't the thing that any fitness enthusiast wants to hear, but sometimes I, I, I hear myself saying, um, give yourself a break. <laughs> like mm. if you have ice cream with your kids once a month, that's not bad. That's okay. That's like part of life. Um, if you injure yourself and, and you've got to sit out and rest for three or four weeks, that's okay. That's you listening to your body and you can get back in when you're recovered and, um, be okay. I I really think a lot of people who are interested in this topic and maybe your audience are really high functioning, very high achieving, 
success-focused people who see any kind of like deviation from per- perfection or, or any barrier or limitation as being like a flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, when it might just be information, like it might just be um, something to think about how you could troubleshoot, or it might be totally fine and part of being a human being. And if you just relax around it a little bit, it might not feel like such a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I know it's not a very glamorous answer, but that's definitely one of the things I I feel like I hear from from folks who are attending conferences or even trainers who, you know, like I think at where our conversation started with, they, they're able to execute very clean eating, a very strong fitness plan, maintain a beautiful body with lean, lean um, mass, muscle mass, and then say, well, how do I get my client to do this? Or how can I make him or her do that? Or how can I force them? And as soon as I hear force or make mm. or, or they should um, I, I think that the person might be getting off track because that's not client centered. That's how do I get them to where I want to be as opposed to how do I meet them where they're at? Mm-hmm. Even if it might be like annoying for me and slow and painstaking, <laughs> you know, how can I help them where they're at to sort of nudge them forward? Yeah. I think you, you also, you brought up the the concept of, uh, you know, perfection and how mm-hmm. potentially, uh, bad that word could could be for for the psyche of like you know yourselves as like a coach to seeing like someone oh man someone did not follow the program exactly yeah. the the way that i wrote it out or yeah. you know for for the client or even for you know yourself if you're listening to this like yeah my program wasn't perfect today so i guess uh you know i'm not getting any benefit out of it i'm just gonna kind of go off the rails mm. and perfectionism that's definitely another topic that I've been asked about. Not that people will use that exact word, mm-hmm. but I definitely um, have about three quarters of an article written about perfectionism. And there is research specifically on perfectionism. And there's like a healthy kind of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And then there's an unhealthy kind of perfectionism. And, and in the literature, the way that they break it up, the way that they describe it is you can have perfectionistic strivings, which is like the attitude of I'm striving for perfection. So, you know, I want a 300 pound or 500 pound deadlift, or I want to be this percent body fat, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to having perfectionistic concerns, which is after the performance or or afterwards saying, Oh, I didn't do this, or I should have done that, or this wasn't perfect. Um, sort of, sort of ruminating about how previous performances or, or things went and criticizing that. So, so people who have perfectionistic strivings and identify as perfectionists, but, but they're sort of future oriented, those folks tend to be pretty happy mm-hmm. and they tend to enjoy whatever activity they're engaged in and they, they tend to have great success. The folks who lean more towards perfectionistic concerns and they worry and they ruminate and they pick everything they do apart and they're down on themselves, they tend to be more anxious they tend to enjoy things less. They tend to have more trouble with achieving goals and then moving on to the next goal. Um, so that has more of a sort of a negative effect on on people. 
I think I think that is a perfect place to 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 pause for today, and I and I know we're going to be talking more down the road because it's just right. kind of like you know hitting the the surface for a lot of this stuff. But um, you know, I'll put, kind of put this on the audience a little bit. Like, if you guys have you know more topics that you want uh, Lisa to to hit on or to follow up on, let's start getting those into uh, questions at theficast.com or even just send them to me on, on Twitter at Fitcast or at Kevin Larrabee on there. Or on, on Facebook, you know, the it, I'm easy to find on the internet, folks. If you want to find me, it's not that hard. So um, just kind of find me in one of those avenues, and I'll start piling those to, together, and then we will uh, jump back on and do another one of these. But uh, in the meantime, uh, where where can people check out kind of like your your stuff, or just like you know any future events that that you have coming up? Yeah, thank you. And I'm the, kind of the opposite of you. I am presently hard to find on the internet. I think being a psychologist. Um, I come from kind of a clinical background where you're just not out there. So currently I am working on building a website. I don't have one right now. I think probably the easiest way is um, whenever I do have an article that's on somebody's website, um, my husband, Tony Gentlecore, will post it. Um, so you can find it on his website, which is TonyGentlecore.com. I also i am on Instagram. It's L-I-L-E-W-13. All right. Um, and then just otherwise stay tuned because hopefully uh, I'll have a website up and running pretty soon. Hell yeah. Um, wait, you know Tony Gentlecore? I, I'm actually married to him. <laughs> Ooh. That's a, oh, sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully he's not, uh, he's not too much a drag, uh, on, on the life and stuff, but oh. I mean, he likes, he likes very weird movies. Do you know that? Oh my god, do I know that? Yeah, like <laughs> I've been subjected to many many horrors. I don't know if you've It sounds like you've received some of his recommendations in the past. Hey, let's let's why. go down to the like the, the small movie theater and see this movie <laughs> that's like not even in English <laughs> and that no one wants to see. That's why it's in a small movie theater. Um anyways, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. Obviously, Tony is the best and uh yeah, like let's uh let's kind of like, you know, table it for now and we'll what okay. we'll do is we'll kind of uh get back together in the future, but uh, you know, selfishly, I really dug this chat, and I know the audience uh, will as well. And you can get uh, start getting those questions in. In the meantime, uh, you can also make sure that you check out Fitcast.network for all the other shows on the network. Some great stuff going on over there. And if you enjoy this show, I really hope that you help uh, support it in the future at patreon.com slash the fitcast. Those guys get some extra exclusive content over there, uh, as well as the shows a couple weeks early. And you know what? It just is uh, a great way to say, hey, Kev, I really love uh, the shows. I appreciate them showing up on my phone every single week like magic. And uh, here's a little here's a little help for, for the production and the cost of all the, uh, the shows and all the running and stuff. So uh, that will do it for, for this episode. Lisa, thank you so much for, for coming on. This was really awesome. And, uh, I think we're going to have to just put one of these together again very, very soon. Oh, thanks for having me. And I'd love to be back on. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Don't forget to check out all that stuff. And if Lisa is coming to an area near you, make sure you go check out uh, whether it's her in, in Artemis or her and Tony. Um, just really, really great stuff. And this is the stuff that we need to make sure that we're starting to focus on as, as fitness professionals and just people that are really into fitness and how we can help others and help ourselves. Like we, This is kind of like the next frontier of what we're going to be looking at. So make sure that you are staying on top of it and we will see you next week. Take care.